Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power, brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back to Professional AF. I am Diana Kander, your guide for this crazy, curious show. If you're new here, you should know that each episode is me working on something personal and bringing you along for the ride. And this week is a monumental show that will help you create any habit that you want to adopt or stop any bad habit that you've been trying to break. My guest today is BJ Fogg, a social science research associate at Stanford, author and the founder and director of the Stanford Behavior Design Lab. In February 2018, Wired Magazine claimed Fogg's Stanford Lab created the formula to make technology addictive. The article said that Fogg's lab was a toll booth for entrepreneurs and product designers on their way to Facebook and Google. Near Eyal, the best-selling author of the book Hooked, sat in lectures next to Ed Baker, who would later become the head of growth at both Facebook and Uber. Kevin Systrom and Mike Krieger, the founders of Instagram, both studied under Fogg. BJ and I discuss his brand new book, Tiny Habits, the small changes that change everything. This book makes its big premiere this week. It's based on 20 years of research and BJ's personal experience coaching over 40,000 people. The content in the book is practical, immediately applicable, and most importantly, brand new. Tiny Habits is unlike any habits book that you have read to date. Specifically, BJ and I are going to discuss why you shouldn't rely on willpower to create new habits, why emotion rather than repetition is the secret, why tiny habits are the key to transforming your life, and how BJ's methodology was the secret to Instagram's success on habit formation. This is particularly important at a time when I'm trying to decide whether my dog Talia will have her very own Instagram account. So this episode is particularly timely for me. Before we get to the interview, I humbly request that you take a second to submit a review for the show and make sure that you're subscribed. I'm pretty sure Apple lets you submit a review like once a year. So if you've already done it, feel free to do it again. Not really sure if there's any truth to that, but why don't we figure it out together? The reviews really do help new listeners find the show and they help guests like BJ decide that this show is worth their time. So I thank you in advance for your help. And I hope that you enjoy this habit-forming interview with BJ Fogg. BJ, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Diana, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I have a very ambitious agenda today. I would love to talk about a habit that I'm trying to start, a habit that I'm trying to stop, and then get your advice on some habits that I'm trying to change inside of the corporate environment. Sounds great. Does that work? And sure. I thought we could talk through the methodology, you know, in, in terms of each one of these habits. So one thing that I've wanted to start for many, many years is a daily meditation practice. Mm, okay. I can't tell you how many New Year's resolutions I've had about yeah. meditating on a regular basis. And I've gotten better each and every year, but I'm a, a long ways away from daily. And I don't think I've had a streak of more than two days in a row ever. Yeah. Well, shall we dive in with Let's that? Let's do right it. Now? Let's do it. Okay. Well, 
Okay, Diana, first of all, I'm going to tell you, um, and I, I'm not sure if this is good news or bad news, but daily meditation is one of the hardest habits for people to form. <laughs> <laughs> so you are not alone. Uh, it is, you know, a lot of people aspire to that habit. And I'll just tell you the reason it's hard, and then we'll get down to how to solve for it. Um, when you are forming a new habit, if you feel successful as you do it, the habit will wire in. And we'll talk about that later and how that works and why that matters. And as you and as the listeners know, most of the time when we're meditating, we're not feeling successful. We're feeling like I'm just sitting here. I'm just recognizing how busy my mind is. I'm not feeling successful at all. And so that combined with other factors in our life, how busy we are and is there really even a quiet space, it really makes it a challenging habit. Now, that doesn't mean it's impossible, but the fact that you haven't been able to nail it um, and the fact that you actually picked that one to bring up, because uh, if you had asked me, what is, what's the hardest habit to form, <laughs> that would be the top three. Okay, so does that Great. resonate? Does that ring a bell? You know, well, that's so kind of you to say. And one of the things that I love about the book is that it starts out by telling people that no matter what habit you're trying to start and it's not working, mm -hmm. it's not your fault because so many of us yeah. shame ourselves for things not working out and saying, well, I'm not good at it. I don't have the willpower. I don't know what's wrong with me that lots of people seem to be able to do it, but I can't. Yeah. Yeah. And you're exactly right. And tiny habits, one of the main themes throughout the book is it's uh, when you've tried to change your behavior and it hasn't worked, don't beat yourself up. Don't blame yourself. The issue is you just weren't given the right way to do it or the best way to do it. There's so many products and programs out there that set people up to fail. Uh, so if you're trying to rely on willpower, for example, that's not how to create habits. It's ultimately not going to work. If you're doing something and everybody else around you is doing the opposite thing, that's really hard to make the habit work. So there's ways to design around that. And that's what, you know, that's what Tiny Habit talks about is how do you design a habit successfully? Now with the meditation habit, can I ask you some questions about sure. that? Okay. What it, now I know there's a lot of benefits to meditation. I know there's a lot of media and talk about the benefits of it. Um, so a lot of people want it for that reason. But what, why, what is it you're hoping to achieve with a meditation habit? Yeah, my motivation is very high for, for this because I don't really feel that different, but I know that I act differently. When I have meditated during the day, I'm just a much nicer wife mm -hmm. and a nicer mother. I'm just much more calm and things don't seem to agitate me in it like as much as they do if I don't. So I would say the relationships in my life make me want to meditate every day. Great. Okay, well, let, let me take that. And I'm not going to dive right into the meditation habit. I'm going to give you a broader framework. And I talk about this in Tiny Habits in depth. But uh, when you match yourself with, like, say, I want to meditate every day, one of the first steps is, okay, what is it that I really, what's, what's the outcome I want for this or the aspiration? And what, you sh what people should do before diving into, say, the meditation habit is say, what are the other habits I might be able to form that would give me the same result. Uh, and let me give some examples in my life. Um, every morning, <laughs> this is going to sound insane, but every morning I get up and sometimes I, I get up early. Well, not that that's any virtue. I wake up early and I can't go back to sleep. So I get up 
and I play the tenor recorder. So it's like a flute. And for me, the breathing of that and the playing of the flute, and I'll either just play free form or whatever comes to mind, that has the same, a similar effect that meditation will have. There's something about that. And often I'm in the dark and I'm alone and I'm just playing music. Another thing for me that serves a very similar kind of function as meditation is just being in nature or gardening. And so my point is, if if there are other ways to achieve the same outcome or get the same results, you can look at other new habits and it doesn't have to be meditation for everybody. So one of the steps is to, to step back and go, what are other behaviors I could be doing? And in tiny habits, I call that swarm of behaviors. So there's a way to come up with a whole bunch of different options. Meditation's one of them, but gardening, playing the flute, maybe hanging out with your dog, sitting in a spot in nature for some, especially guys fishing and so on, can give that same kind of benefit. Uh, and then you might figure out, oh my gosh, maybe meditation isn't the right habit for me right now. Maybe it's playing the flute or gardening and Frankly, those are easier habits to form. Yeah, so, so that's that, one of the big ahas of the book for me was like, don't kill yourself trying to do something that's super hard or you don't really enjoy. Figure out yeah. what it is that you're actually trying to accomplish. And then yeah. maybe there's a different way to get there. That's that's really a great suggestion. Good. And I am so glad you said that because in in. personally interacting with people and in workshops, I can make that very, very clear. But then when you have to write it on a page or pages, it's like, man, I really hope this is coming through. So I'm glad (laughs) that came through in the book. But it, you know, it is, you know, some people find that same outcome in exercise and so on. So what, uh, one thing you can do, um, again, it's just come up with a bunch of other behaviors that could potentially give you the same outcome. And then you may find, hey, here's one that's easier to do, and I'm actually more motivated to do. So those two factors, ease and motivation, and it might be a better combo. And then you actually pick something else. But Diana, that said, let's dive in. Let's Let's say this is the easiest. Right. Yeah. Meditation really is the one you want. So you've explored option and it is meditation. In the tiny habits method, what you do then is you take um the the aspiration of meditating 21 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever you have in mind and you make it really really tiny uh and you make it so tiny that it's just almost ridiculously easy so it might be you just take three breaths three calming breaths rather than spending 30 minutes and here's uh and in my own life in developing the method that was just a huge breakthrough And let me give the true example that happened in my own life. Uh, I wasn't flossing all my teeth, uh, which is kind of embarrassing for a behavior scientist to show up (laughs) at the dentist. And it's like, okay, you're not, you know, you floss a day or two in advance, like a lot, which doesn't work. And then it's like, okay, BJ, I told myself, I already know how to floss all my teeth. That's not the issue. What I don't know is how to do it automatically. So you're going to focus on doing it automatically and you're going to scale it back just one tooth and figure out how to do one tooth automatically. So with meditation, you could take meditation and scale it back perhaps to uh, three breaths, or maybe there's a certain song uh, that it's just very short and simple. And you just 
get that wired into your routine. So once it's scaled back to be really tiny, then you look for where does this fit naturally in my routine? Where where can where and in tiny habits you look for what does it come after? Can I can I pause you there for a second? Yeah. Because the book is called Tiny Habits and most people don't understand just how tiny you mean. I mean, you're talking yeah. about teeny tiny. Maybe teeny, I'm not trying to, tiny. I don't know if it's too late to change the title of the book, BJ, but these are <laughs> teeny, tiny, these are teeny, teeny, tiny, habits. tiny habits because yeah, you know what? I, I'm going to write that on every <laughs> single cover. Thank you, Diana. It's going to be teeny, tiny habits. I like that. No, but I've seen on your Twitter feed where people have been learning how to meditate and you had them just sit in a chair. Like that was the yeah. habit that you wanted them to try. And I thought, well, this is crazy. Is this really going to help me develop a habit if I do something so simple? Yeah. And the answer is yes. That's a surprise when people do the tiny habits method. It's like, oh my gosh, I found that once I sat in the chair or once I took three meditative breaths, that it was so easy to keep going. I kept going. And some days I kept going and some days I didn't. And so once you find where it fits in your life, so you, you, and meditation's a hard one to find where it fits because our lives are really busy and we don't have, you know, quiet context. So you, it's like designing a room. It's like solving a puzzle. It's like, where does this fit? And so try different places. And if your first uh, place doesn't work, like let's say, oh, it's going to be right after I start the coffee maker. And after I start the coffee maker, I'll take three calming breaths sitting right here in this chair or on this mat. If that doesn't work, don't get down on yourself. So this is part of the, you know, don't, no self-shame, no judgment. It's like, oh, I learned something that didn't work. Now let me try it, you know, after my kid walks out the door and goes to school. Maybe that's the moment. So after I see my kid, kiss my kid goodbye. And, you know, a little bit before I have to leave to work, I have this window of time, try it there. So what you... The way to think about it, Diana, is it's like taking a seed of a plant that you want. And then you say, where does this, where is this seed going to take root and grow? And so the seed is the teeny tiny habit. Thank you very much. (laughs) And the looking for the placement, where is it going to go in my garden? It's like, where does this fit naturally in my life? Where is it going to take root and be nurtured? And your first guess may not be the right one. And so you just, you just go with it. Well, that didn't work. Let me try something else. And you will find a place where it fits better. And once you find that, then you have what we call a tiny habit recipe. You know, after I, I, you know, give my kiss, my kid a kiss goodbye in the morning, I will sit right here in this chair and take three meditative breaths. That's the tiny habit recipe. And the days you only take three breaths, good for you chalk it up as a success. The days you want to do more, awesome. And that's extra credit. And you don't have to do more, but you can. And But in any case, you always do the teeny tiny version <laughs> of it, no matter what. And if it's so teeny tiny, even if you're rushing or even if there's something up, you can still do the teeny tiny habit. That's part of the secret of this. It's just so small. It seems like you're really reversing this habit transformation, because most of the time we set something really ambitious and then we spend all of our time just, you know, shaming ourselves for not being able to do this thing that we're trying to do. And you're saying, do something that's so small, you'll be able to do it all the time and then celebrate it afterwards. Yes. 
And it's so easy to support and nurture. And again, the plant analogy works really well. The traditional way that does not work very well is like, I'm going to do this big thing and I'm going to keep myself motivated. It takes a lot of care and feeding. That's like saying, oh, I want this huge olive tree. So I'm going to buy a huge old olive tree and I'm going to get it transported into my yard and transplanted. And then I have to do all this care and feeding and it may or may not live. That's a precarious way to go. Instead, think of it as, no, I'm going to plant this tiny seed in the right spot and it's easy to care for. And then it will just grow naturally. You don't have to uh, tap into willpower. You don't even have to be super motivated. You just have to be consistent. Just consistently do the teeny tiny version of the habit and it will grow on its own. And there's reasons uh, that works super well, but I'll just stop here. I'm sure we'll get to why, you know, how these very teeny tiny habits grow to be bigger. Well, let's talk about it. I, I want to know. Okay. Well, uh, there are a few reasons, and I talk about these in tiny habits. One is when you do a tiny, let's say you do a new habit and you feel successful. What happens is you start thinking about yourself differently. So let's say you find a place where three calm breaths fit in your morning routine or fit during your workday really well. If you feel successful in doing those three calming breaths, you will start thinking about yourself as, oh, I'm the kind of person who meditates. And this, for me, I didn't know this, so I started... I started exploring tiny habits on my own in 2010 before I called it tiny habits. And I started teaching it in 2011 and called it tiny habits. And I didn't understand this dynamic till later. It's when you do a behavior and feel successful, then you start seeing yourself differently. I'm the kind of person who meditates, or I'm the kind of person who eats fresh produce, or I'm the kind of person that looks to be physically active. And when your identity shifts that way, then what it does, it propels you to do that behavior more often and more reliably. And Diana, even more interestingly, is it has these ripple effects. You start doing other behaviors that are consistent with that new identity. Let me give an example from my life that relates to meditation. So for me, meditation was a tough habit. And this is why I know personally it's really hard. And just from my research, I know it's hard. And I just couldn't find where it fit. So where it fit for me was I have these little, I don't know what to call them. They're like little Buddhist chimes on a string. They're about the size of a cookie. And you hit them together and they go, ching. In fact, if you want, I'll go in the other room and chime them. <laughs> and for me, when I accidentally hit those Buddhist chimes, because they're hanging on my stand-up desk on the handle, and sometimes I just hit them, that become became my anchor or my reminder to meditate briefly. And it was like, okay, that's great. So randomly during the day, I am doing meditation. And so then what happened next, and this was this is the point about ripple effects. There would be times when I was restless at night, my mind was racing and whatnot. And I was like, oh, BJ, you're the kind of person that meditates. Just calm your breath and go into meditation. So I started doing it naturally then. I started doing it naturally at stressful points during the day, even without formally designing the habit because I was the kind of person who meditated. So that's one way that even just doing something teeny tiny 
can ripple out and have a much bigger effect. Now, the key, though, is you have to feel successful. If you're meditating and you feel unsuccessful, then you don't think of yourself as the kind of person who feels successful. So part of the tiny habits method is to lower your expectations, lower the bar. <laughs> don't have such like, I've got to be meditating like a Buddhist monk for two hours every morning. Just say, hey, as long as I'm doing three breaths, you know, somewhat mindfully, boom, I'm meditating and I'm succeeding. And that shift can be difficult for people. And that's a big message in the book and big message to anybody I work with is, man, don't be so hard on yourself. Just understand that change is a process and start with these tiny seeds and just put it in the right spot. If you don't get it right, that's fine. Find another spot and just let it grow and blossom naturally. Just keep it nurtured. Jason, how fitting is it that the week we do an episode on habits, the Whoop comes out with a new feature for us to be able to create groups of people? I think it's very fitting. Yes, like the group you and I created for our family. Yes, and I'm going to tell a quick story about that. Sure. So we now have a group where I can see your recovery and you can see mine. And the other day, uh, it was the holidays, stayed up kind of late. Next morning, I was like, can I please sleep in? I didn't get any sleep. And you're like, sure. Two hours later, I wake up and I look at your recovery and I look at mine and mine's like twice yours. And I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. Yeah, you came out of the bedroom very nice. Yes, because I knew like things were uneven. I hadn't looked at our group uh, competitive scores yet, so I had no idea. But I did notice that something was awry. Yeah, I was in the green and you were in the red. So Whoop, the ultimate fitness tracker, keeps track of your sleep, your strain during the day, and your recovery. And people who use it have reported improved sleep, drinking less alcohol, having fewer injuries. And now we've created the professional AF group on Whoop. The team. The team. That's right. I'm not sure exactly how to get you on, but I do know that all the details will be on our Facebook group. And we're very excited to help you reach whatever your 2020 New Year's resolutions were in the team. Whoop has provided an offer for our listeners to get 15% off your purchase with the code Diana. You just go to whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com and use the code Diana at checkout to save 15% and optimize the way you live. So recently we had a loved one in the hospital. Um, things are much better now. Thank you for asking. And Diana came up. Uh, I'd been in the waiting room for like hours. And uh, and Diana showed up and she had in one pocket uh, a protein bar for me because I had not eaten. And in the other pocket, uh, a super shot immunity blend, uh, which was like perfect. And it was very cute and also very helpful. If you love someone who's in the hospital... Give them the immunity blend. No, we're talking about Balance of Superfood Shot, which provides half of your daily fruit and vegetable servings. 90% of Americans do not eat the daily recommended servings of fruits and vegetables. All of the shots are organic, non-GMO, vegan, and free from the eight major allergens. It's a shot, and there are three different flavors. The Foundation Blend, which is green and delicious. The Immunity Blend, which is the one I... I brought to Jason. It's purple and delicious. And the turmeric blend, which is anti-inflammatory. It's orange and delicious. I will tell you, every time I drink one, they taste better and better. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, agree. They were pretty good to start with. <laughs> you go to superfoodshot.co, that's superfoodshot.co, and use the code Diana at checkout for 30% off. That's superfoodshot.co. 
and use the code Diana at checkout for 30% off. You know, this makes perfect sense to me. I use the analogy of entrepreneurship and a lot of people want to start like unicorn companies, like billion dollar companies. And statistically, the best way to get to a billion is to start a really small company, you know, not raising a hundred million dollars and, and going for it, but really like starting a hundred thousand dollar business and getting Mm -hmm. eventually to that. And so it makes sense that starting really, really small is the is the easiest way to get to the behavior that you want. Because if you go big, you're going to feel really negative feelings very quickly. Yeah, exactly. And before I got obsessed with habits, uh, so let's rewind like 15, 20 years. Um, you know, I, I teach at Stanford and a lot of my students want to do companies. And one of my students is the co-founder of Instagram. So that, you know, so that became a big thing. And one of the things that I would teach my students, but also industry people, this was the phrase, everything big started small. And there's just so many examples of that. Everything big started small. When Google started, what was it? It was just a search box with nothing else on the page. In fact, it was so tiny that I remember people just laughing at it because in comparison to Alta Vista and all these other things that had these really messy search pages, it was so small and focused. Twitter started super small. Instagram started super small. So then when I shifted and became really interested in human behavior and habits, I saw the same pattern. It's like, oh my gosh, just start it really tiny and keep it nurtured. And then you grow from there. That's, that's what works for you know, these startups and these companies. And that's what works with our habits. It's the same pattern. So how do I go beyond three breaths? If my goal is not to be a three breath meditator. Yeah. Well, the the way it works in, in the tiny habits method is when you want to do more than three breaths, you do more. Uh, so you could do, you know, three minutes, you can do 30 minutes. You do more when you want to do more. And what that does is as you are consistent in meditating or any other habit, as you the more you do something, the easier it gets. So that, and when something's easy to do, it requires less motivation. So I have a model that I call the behavior model. And what it shows very clearly is the easier the behavior is, the less motivation it requires. And so as you do a behavior, as you repeat it day after day, it becomes easier. And that means you don't need more motivation to do more. You you can do more naturally. And so what you let yourself do in tiny habits is you do more when you want to, but the days when you really can't do 30 minutes or even three minutes, you just do three breaths and you count. This is really important. You count that as a success, not a failure. You say, boom, despite me feeling bad or despite me being in such a big hurry, I did my three meditative breaths. Good for me. Good for me. You know, and the next day, maybe you do 30 minutes. What what you're looking at, I'm going to go back to the plant analogy is you're just keeping the habit alive. And as long as you keep it alive, it can, it can grow bigger and bigger. So the, the key there is not the size of the habit, but it's consistency. And if a habit like meditation is, uh, if you're seeing benefits, it will, you will naturally want to do more. So that's motivation. And number two, you'll be able to do more that's ability. Those are two of the three components in my behavior model. And so it will naturally grow bigger 
without you forcing it. And so the phrase that I've often said is plant a tiny seed in a good spot and it will grow without coaxing. So the tiny seed is like the three breasts. Where's the good spot? Is it after you start the coffee maker? Is it after you sit down on the bus? Is it after you kiss your, kiss your kid, kid goodbye? Is it when you sit down in the little garden patio at work? And once you find a good spot, then you just, you just keep it nurtured and it will naturally expand. This is such amazing stuff. Okay, let's keep going with the plant analogy and say, I have my my little baby meditation plant going. But also yeah. <laughs> in my garden, I have a lot of weeds, a lot of exactly. things yeah. that keep springing up that I wish to stop. And one of the things that I want to stop more than anything else is checking my phone and my addiction yeah. to my phone. And I know that you have an entire class you've been testing on this topic. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And Diana, you did it exactly right with the plant garden metaphor. Uh, and it's you know, something I explain in my book. It is the best way to think about our habits is like plants and you have this garden and you can design for the ones you want, or you can just neglect it and have these weeds grow up that are you know, the bad habits. Um, and there's different approaches to bad habits. Sometimes it's like, you know, whatever, I have all these other good habits. I'm not going to get upset over a little weed here and there. And that's okay. You know, that's fine. Um, but other times, you know, it might be making you less happy or less healthy. And then it's like, okay, I've got to do something about this bad habit. Um, and there's different ways to approach it. Um, so your example for me was uh, using your phone too much. Is that right? That's right. Okay, so let's get more specific. Is it that you're using the calculator on the phone too much? No, you know it's the not the calculator. <laughs> I know, I'm joking you. No, so it's, it's not because the phone. What is it? I, I think uh, <laughs> the world is in jeopardy and I need to make sure that like nothing horrible has happened Yeah. on a especially regular now. basis. I know, especially now. Yeah, so the way to do that, so that one, so... The way habits form, whether we call them good habits or bad habits, are all in the same way, just like the way plants you know, find a spot and grow, whether we call it a weed or a flower. It forms in the same way. However, the way that you get rid of a habit isn't the same as how you form it. So in Tiny Habits, I present a new way of thinking about getting rid of unwanted habits. And rather than breaking a bad habit, I explain that you untangle a bad habit. So, and that's a much better way to talk about it. Break is a problem. And then I don't, you know, I, I have a master's degree like in rhetoric and linguistics. So I did a lot of work and words and the etymology of words. And I still am not fully sure why we even have the phrase break a bad habit because that wording implies that you know break means if I put a lot of force on something in one moment, it's broken and it's done and it's over with. That's not how it works with these things we call bad habits. It's not like we do one thing one moment and it's done. And so my thinking is maybe that word break from break a bad habit comes from breaking a horse where you do it gradually, you know, so it's a process. Well, I don't go into that in my book. That's just kind of me That's interesting. Thinking. Yeah. Yeah, right? Breaking a horse. And that makes more sense. 
But I think more helpful is to call it untangling a bad habit, because then that makes clear you're not going to be able to just solve it with one tug. It's not one moment. It's a process. But you can do it. Even if you look, let's say you look at a string of Christmas lights that are all tangled up. Okay, we've all probably been there. And it's like, oh my gosh. And it looks impossible. But once you get started, and, and notice what we do in that case, we don't go to the deepest tangle. We go to the one on the outside and we untangle that one. So you start with the easiest little tangle first. And that would be the same thing with your looking at news all the time or looking at social media or whatever. You know, if you map out all the tangles, oh, I look at it as soon as I wake up. I, I'm reading news on my phone over breakfast. You know, you could make a list of these things. And as you do this, I'll just warn you and others, don't get bummed out when you see how long that list is. Okay. So this, <laughs> this is the only time in my book where I'm like, okay, you're going to maybe feel a little bad because you're just facing the reality of all these tangles. But that's just temporary. Once you look at it and say, what is the easiest one to stop? What's the easiest one to untangle? You'll see that, oh, that's easy. I don't have to be like on my phone when, you know, during my first morning break. Great. I won't do that. I'll just leave the phone at my desk and I'll walk around outside. So you start with the easiest tangle and you get rid of that. Then you go to the next one and the next one. And I explain more details in the book, but essentially thinking about Often when we call things bad habits, it's really a cluster of behaviors. It's a tangle. And if, and then if you can just unwind the easiest one first and go to the next one, next one, what people will often see is that you can make progress really fast. And as you start untangling things, then the rest of it just becomes pretty easy. And yeah, you still may be checking the news two or three times a day, but it's no longer an annoyance in your life. It has its proper place. Changing your bank won't transform your life, but it can bring about small changes toward improving your financial health, which, after all, is a large part of your overall wellness. Do you pay bank fees? You shouldn't. Do you earn interest even on your checking account balances? Well, you should. Does your bank account let you link outside accounts like your credit card, see your total picture of your finances? Or do you need an outside app for that? It's 2020, people. Smart tech-forward banks like NBKC pay you to bank with them not the other way around. No account fees, no overdraft fees, free ATMs with money pass, mobile deposits, no limits on the mobile deposits, by the way. That's huge. And they pay interest on your balance. You can budget and track finances within your account so you'll be better at money, even in a small step way. Many Americans pay over $300 a year in bank fees, so this could be significant. Check out MBKC, open an account online, in five minutes and take your time in switching things over. It's a small change toward better financial health and likely the last change of banks you'll ever make. NBKC is a member, FDIC, and an equal housing lender. And you can go to nbkc.com slash Diana and you can sign up for an account there and you get a box of really cool stuff. It's amazing. Everybody who's gotten the box has raved about it online. Yes. I mean, the bank thing may not be life-changing, but I think this box is. This episode is about habits, and I want to tell you about my purple mattress habit. <laughs> uh, I am about to go, we are about to go on a vacation, and as excited as I am about going on vacation, I am a little trepidatious about leaving our purple mattress behind. I hadn't thought about it, but now that you mention it, that 
is starting to worry me. And it's just not practical to take it with us because it's the size of a mattress. No, you can't ship it. But man, it actually makes it more exciting to come back home at the end of a vacation because you're like, I'm going back to my purple mattress. If you're waiting, you know, every 10 years or whatever to buy a mattress like we did, this is a perfect round number, decade 2020 to make the purchase. It's the mattress decade, I'm pretty sure. The purple mattress is going to feel different to you than anything you've experienced before. It uses this brand new material uh, that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. So it's not like the memory foam that you're used to. It's it's better. They offer you a 100-night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund. You get a 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns, and a free in-home setup. And they take the old mattress. I think their motto should be, we make vacations less fun. <laughs> You're going to love Purple, and right now our listeners get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts that you already get on the website. You just text Diana, D-I-A-N-A, to 84888. The only way to get the free pillow is to text Diana to 84888. That is keyword Diana to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. So let's say one of my tiny tangles is I have turned on notifications for everything on my phone. So <laughs> it's constantly distracting yeah. me with information. So I went through and turned off every single one of my news notifications yeah. and social yeah. media notifications. How do I incorporate, you know, you talk about how important it is to celebrate and to feel good. How do you feel good about something not happening? Like, how do you incorporate yeah. that practice? That is an awesome question. The 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 thing I talk about in Tiny Habits, the feeling of success, and specifically there's this thing, as you read, called celebration. Celebration is a way to feel happy or positive or successful in the moment on demand, and that will wire in a new habit. So that technique called celebration is used to create new habits. Now, um, I've done a ton of research on that front. Using celebration to celebrate the untangling, I've done less research on. So as a scientist, I'm really careful about saying, here's what I know, and here's what I haven't studied, but I think is true. So I'm going to the second category. I haven't studied how to use celebration to reinforce stopping, um, but it does make sense. And I know I've done it in my own life. So again, this isn't my research. All the other stuff is based on tons of research. Um, like half a million data points on habits, and I've coached over 40,000 people personally in habits. Um, but let's say, for example, that I am snacking on salty foods. I love salty foods, Diana. It's like my Achilles heel. <laughs> I love salty foods. And so I've made a deliberate practice in our home. No chips in the home. And of course, we're not ordering French fries and so on. I mean, because I know I'm vulnerable to salty foods. But let's say I go to a party and there's popcorn. And popcorn is especially appealing to me. So in the moment that I see popcorn and I pass it by and I get something else, like who knows what, a peach, let's just say, I can say, good for me. Good for me. You stuck to your game plan, BJ. And, that, and that's the kind of um, celebration that... I've done to say, good for you. You stuck to your game plan. Way to go. And that helps you do that more in the future. Um, but, you did, but Diana, you mentioned a really important way. I mean, even more direct than celebrating the not doing of a behavior 
is simply looking at, you know, how do I unwind this little tangle? And the first thing you look at is what is in, in, in my model, it's called a prompt. And that can be the notification or the reminder. The first thing you try to do in, in getting rid of a habit is like, can I remove the prompt? And you did. And so you did exactly the right thing out of the gate. Now, if that doesn't work, then you go to the next step and you make it harder to do. So let's say you turn off your notifications for news and all that, and but you still, you're self-prompting. You're like, oh my gosh, what's going on in politics? It's insane. <laughs> what's going on? I need to check. Then the next step you would do is how do I make it harder to do? And so you, you know, and harder means require more time, more money, more mental effort, more physical effort. You know, you and in this case, we'd probably pick time. So you could delete the app, you could change the password on the app, you could hide the app in a folder on the last screen. So you actively design to make it harder to do. In my own life with popcorn, oh Diana, we could go on and on about my struggles <laughs> with popcorn. And I did not put it in the book because people were like, my my editors and were just like. This is unrelatable. <laughs> yes. People like, okay, so you struggle with popcorn. You've got people with drug addictions and alcohol addictions, and you're going to complain about popcorn? And it's like, yeah, but that was, a, it seriously was a problem. So what I did for popcorn, I could not get rid of the prompt because I would like sit down and I'd turn on like The Voice or America's Got Talent, you know, Guilty Pleasure TV. And it was like, oh, popcorn would be really good right now. And so there wasn't a prompt that came from internal. I couldn't just turn it off. So the next step was to make popcorn hard to do, which meant get rid of all the popcorn paraphernalia and don't allow any popcorn in the home and so on. And that's get rid the of the popcorn step. ringtone on your phone. <laughs> yes. And don't buy a microwave that says popcorn on one of the buttons. I mean, really, it says popcorn and chicken nuggets on the buttons. Oh, my gosh. But in it, yeah, but that's your next step in uh, trying to unwind one of these tangles is if you can't remove the prompt, then you make it harder to do. So you redesign your environment to make it harder to do in some way. And uh, there's, I did, well, okay, I'll just tell the truth. I did that. So we rid, we rid our home of popcorn, no popcorn in the house. And then guess what I'd get as a gift? Popcorn and a popcorn. <laughs> and it would be special popcorn. Like, you know, like high-end popcorn. It's like, oh, well, I got to try this so I can tell my mom how good the popcorn was. And then it was like, thanks, mom. Enabler. I wouldn't say that. But I mean, that's essentially what's going on. So, but, you know, step one, I mean, first of all, here's this huge tangle, you know, because things like, smoking and snacking and social media isn't one habit it's a tangle find the easiest one to untangle see if you can remove the prompt and if so go to the next tangle if not go how can i make this harder to do and that often means redesigning your environment so it's hard to do there was one time when i put all the popcorn paraphernalia in the attic but that wasn't hard enough because I would go up in the attic <laughs> and get it. So then that's when the policy came up. Policy, no popcorn. And then if that doesn't work, then you go and you look at a motivational strategy. So in my behavior model, every behavior is uh, happens when there are three things, prompt, ability, and motivation. And if you can get rid of any one of them, then the behavior goes away. And so we've talked about prompt, talk about ability, and if you that doesn't work, 
then you're looking at motivation. You say, man, how can I demotivate popcorn? And that's your last step. That's not your first step. And it's the trickiest one. So hopefully uh, getting rid of the prompt works. <laughs> and if not, hopefully you can make it harder. And then if not, you shift gears. And there's a little more to it. I have quite an extensive, I call it the behavior change master plan. So there's, as you saw, a step-by-step flowchart that takes you through every scenario and tells you what to do at every point. Um, and it's probably more than I, I mean, it's a flowchart, so I'm not right. going to go through it right now. But <laughs> but there is, but the takeaway is changing your behavior, creating habits or stopping habits. There is a system. You don't have to guess. And the system I've mapped out and I, I'm delighted to be able to share it in tiny habits. There's a systematic way and there's try this, that doesn't work, then you do this. That doesn't work, you do this. And then just guides you step by step. So you find the right way to untangle um, you know, these unwanted behaviors in our life. And you keep mentioning in the book that instead of getting frustrated by it not working, you should just get curious. And yeah. curiosity yeah. is... I don't know, like the magic word. Every episode of this podcast ends with curiosity is your superpower. And this Absolutely. is like the guidebook to how to implement it, you know? I love that. Yeah. You know, I've not heard that phrase before. I love that. I think that's right on. Um, and you can probably explain why better than I can that it's a superpower, but it's it it puts you in a discovery mode and less judgmental. What I've learned for sure in my research is that getting down on yourself or being rigid or uptight does not help you change. Just let's go back to the plant metaphor. A very brittle tree in a storm uh, will snap and it won't survive. But if something that's flexible and adapts with whatever happens survives and the same kind of thinking we can bring into how we transform our lives. I mean, the, the curiosity, the exploration, being flexible, uh, something doesn't work. It's certainly not a personal failure. It's like, oh, that didn't work. I wonder why. Let me try something else. And you are, you're discovering. And, and what will happen? You will figure out what works for you in either creating habits or stopping habits, and you'll get better and better. Uh, it's a skill, and you'll get better and better all the time. And what does not help people is blaming yourself or saying, I don't have willpower, I don't have motivation. No, you just haven't been given the right way. And this is why I'm so excited about sharing tiny habits. Like, here it is at last. And Diana, I feel guilty. I should have had this book out years ago, honestly. And there's so many people that I could have helped and didn't. So, uh, well, it came, it came at just the perfect time for me. So, okay. Yay. There we go. <laughs> well, I am all in BJ. Uh, we're going to help share and promote the book. Congratulations you. on, on your first book being published. Where can people follow you, find out more about you and find out how to become a habiteer? I don't habits here. Well, tinyhabits.com uh, is specifically about tiny habits. BJFog.com is about my broader work, including my Stanford research and so on. And then I'm on, on I'm on like every channel as BJ Fog. So Twitter, BJ Fog, Instagram, BJ Fog. I have a weird name, and that 
makes it nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you and you can email me, you know, bjfog at stanford.edu. And for years, I mean, if you go to what if you, if you need to talk to me about a professional topic, I don't do personal counseling on the phone, but companies that are creating products and services that they want 15 minutes of my time, they go to my website and book it. Anyone can book it. And I get on the phone and I help you for 15 minutes. I hang up and I go to the next call. So I like being really accessible to people. And those are some of the ways. Well, you might be overwhelmed with how many people want to talk to you after this book comes out. So I'm glad I got in before <laughs> before publication date. Diana, thank you for and great questions. And uh, right on. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Jesse, this stuff really works. It's amazing. I tried the three breaths thing and I was very skeptical at first, even after the interview. But I have to tell you, it definitely changed my perspective of me from being a person who can't meditate every day to somebody who's like, I'm meditating all the time, like six mm. times a day. And now it's just a much lower hurdle for me to now, I'm now doing longer times than I've ever done before. That's awesome. And on a much more regular basis, still not every day. Yeah. But a lot more often than I used to mm -hmm. because my identity of myself is different. So cool. Now you've had a lot of luck creating a lot of habits. <laughs> you just use all kinds of apps. Tell me, tell me about it. That's true. One of them is called the Streaks app. So I too wanted to have a daily meditation practice. Um, and I still now only meditate probably 70% of the time. Still, that's a but lot. But that's amazing considering where I started three years ago. Um, but the Streaks app, you can like highlight, I did this thing. So like you check mark every time you did the habit. Um, so that's that app's awesome. And then I used another one called Mind Jogger for a while that would send you either a reminder at a specific time or at a random time. And mine used to be like, have a mindful moment. So like, just take a deep breath. Uh, and that one started to like cue the same identity for me about, oh, I'm a person that meditates or I'm a person that can be quiet by myself. It's incredible. And I also think like, what a coincidence that this, the week of this show is also the week that Whoop came out with the Whoop groups. Mm -hmm. And we started the professional AF group. And if somebody wants a trigger or an accountability tool to sleep more or exercise more, they can go to our Facebook group, Professional AF Podcast Insiders. And I don't know how, but we'll figure out how to get them into the group. So not sure how to do that, but I know that the place will figure out how to do it is in the Facebook group. I love it. So well, please, everyone, join us there and we're excited to be the trigger or the anchor or whatever it is for your new habit for 2020. I love it. Let's do this. All right. I'm Diana Kander here with Jesse Jacob, wishing you a very happy new year and reminding you that curiosity is your superpower in 2020. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>